Good. All right. Who loves to do public speaking? Raise your hand. You say, give me a microphone. I'll go up there any day of my life. Yeah. Uh, who else does not like to speak at all and is terrified? Oh, good. I'm in good company then. <laughs> so, so we're good. All right. Well, let's just jump right in. Um, I don't have any money balls to throw or anything exciting like that. But we got something even better. We got God's word. My brother Bailey asked my husband if we would speak today. My, the Lord just laid on my heart the word purpose because we all want a purpose in life. We all want to know what God created us for. Um, when you have no purpose, you have no direction, and you're just empty, and you're just kind of floating through life. Um, so after this whole summer praying for the rapture to come so I didn't have to speak, the Lord said, nope, here we are. So, All right, if you can take your Bibles to Psalm 23. Psalm chapter 23. It's pretty familiar. It should be easy to find. And I don't know how God wants to speak to each of you individually. I really don't. But we do have an amazing creator, amazing God that knows each and every person individually. I don't even know most of your names. And you don't know much about me either. But God does. And God knows that we're, we're all going to be here today. And he told me what to say. So hopefully we'll clearly get that through. All right, Psalm chapter 23. Is everybody there? Awesome. All right, let's start right there. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word and the comfort that it gives us, and Lord, even the direction that it gives us for our lives. And God, I just thank you for these ladies that all were able to be here, and some traveled very far to be here. And Lord, you knew who was going to be here, and you knew um, just everything that you would lay on my heart this summer as, as I was preparing for this. And Lord, I just pray that you would have them, uh, have their hearts open to you and what you have for them. Any walls that may be built up, Lord, I pray that you would break those down. And Lord, just speak through your word to us today. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so we're going to look at uh, verse 3. It's going to be our main one. So look back at that real quick. He says, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I know Psalms 23 is a very, very familiar passage. So don't shut me off saying, oh, I already got this memorized. I've heard many, many messages about it. Uh, we don't even need to listen to it. But God's word is a living word. And no matter how many times you read the same chapter, it can speak to you over and over and over in very different ways. And there are some that are in different seasons of their life right now. There are some older ladies that are moms. And there are some grandmas. There are some of you that haven't even entered high school yet. And some that are graduating and wondering, what does God have for me? And what path does he have for me? And God does have a path for each and every person, no matter what season that you are in. Um, there's a quote out of a book. It's called The Heart of a Shepherd. It says, God's plan for our lives involves a journey, a moving forward process of growth and discovery. God doesn't intend to let us stay in one place spiritually for very long. He has new pastures, fresh vision, and more growth over the next hill. All throughout God's word, he uses um, different words like that to to describe the Christian life, he uses a walk, a run, a journey, a path. And he doesn't want us just to sit there and do nothing. He has a path for us. And everyone has got to be on a journey somehow. 
Um, when you're born, everybody has, obviously, you have a day of your birth. But then after that, you have a journey through your life. And then one day, you will leave this life. And if you know Christ as your Savior, you'll be in eternity with him. But as we look at the Bible, we see several, several different paths. But the two we're going to look at today are the path of the righteous, which is also the wise man. And then we got the foolish man, which is the path of the unrighteous. And you guys all know the song, right? It said the wise man built his house upon a rock. Foolish man built his house upon a sand. Okay, and we know how those both end. We know the destruction that comes on the sand one, and we know the blessings that come at the end of the rock. So you've got two choices today, and uh, we're going to look at those two. And nobody really honestly wants destruction at the end of their path. Nobody wants to say, okay, I'm going to live this life, and then I want it to be a horrible life. I want to end up in complete failure. That's crazy, and that's not what any of us want. So Proverbs 14, 12, it says that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And there is a way that seems right in our eyes, and we think we know better sometimes, but we're not to walk by our own understandings. And on the flip side... In John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We should not be walking a path according to our own wisdom, but we should be following our shepherd. And you girls have all heard the sayings, like, follow your heart. Does anybody watch Hallmark movies? Raise your hand. Be honest. <laughs> Those are all end up with, follow your heart. What does your heart say? Do what your heart says. But, and we also all know the verse. It says, our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it? So it's not wise counsel to follow your heart. <clears throat> and we are to follow the shepherd in his voice. Well, you might ask the question, well, how do I know what the shepherd's saying? How do I even hear his voice? How do I know? But you have to be in tune with the shepherd. You have to have a personal walk with God every single day. This is a walk that your parents cannot have for you. Your mom cannot make you walk with God. She can say, did you read your Bible? She can, your youth pastor can come up and say, where are you in your Bible reading? Does anybody hate that when a pastor and youth pastor come up and you kind of like freeze? Um, but you can have all these people to try to help you and encourage you. But really in the end, it's your choice to have that walk with the shepherd. And if you don't know the shepherd, don't leave this college even today without knowing that. And you can know that. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But look in verse one real quick. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I love that my shepherd because he is the one that's there with you. He's the one guiding you and leading you. And David knew that when he wrote, when he, yeah, wrote this psalm. And he said it was a very personal God. We have a personal God. And our theme this week is to stand in awe of God. It's amazing to stand in awe of a creator that created all the things that we see. And know that he loves us enough in our failures and our weaknesses. He loves us enough that he wants to know us and he wants to lead us. Um, and he also has that plan for us. All right, go to Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures because that's where we should get our wisdom from. So let's look in Jeremiah chapter 1. Give you a few minutes. I cheated by marking it. So. All right, Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 5. It says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet among the nations. Now, God very clearly in this verse is telling Jeremiah that even before he was formed in the belly, before he was even born, God had a path chosen for him, specifically for him. And I love that. So go to Psalm 139. We're not going to turn all morning, but let's go to Psalm 139. We'll mainly be there this morning, and they started to quote this. Brother Gaddis quoted a little bit of this last night, and I was starting to get a little nervous that he was going to preach my lesson, but 
he didn't. So let's go to Psalm 139. I'll let you get there because I want you to see this. Psalm chapter 139 in verse 13. We'll start there. The Bible says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, and yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. What an amazing God we serve, that he knows your every being and he thinks about you. Just stop and you know, contemplate that for just a minute, that the God of creation thinks about you. Some of you are very lonely. Some of you have a rough life. But God thinks about you. He knows you. It says his thoughts toward you are great. Can anybody count the sand of the sea? Absolutely not. You can't even count a handful of the sand. But God knows you, and his thoughts are that many. All right, so I brought along my favorite mug today. Who has a favorite mug that they keep at home? All right, this one has Highland cows on it. I love Highland cows. They're fluffy and cute. And so I brought my mug today. All right, this mug has a very specific purpose for me as the owner. It brings me joy when it's used correctly. And it has a job that I specifically give to it. Several times in the Bible, God refers to us as vessels and his chosen vessels that he wants to use. And he loves you and paid a very high price for you to be his vessel. And he has a purpose for you as his vessel in this life and a path that he's laid out, which we already talked about. So we're going to look at the word purpose because, like I said, all summer, that word purpose was just on my head. So we're going to do an acrostic just because it looks fancy. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write out the word purpose. And then I'll give you examples for each one. And then when we get towards the end, you'll know that we're almost done. All right. So the first letter in purpose is P. And the first example is going to be that we are perfectly designed for the task. Perfectly designed for the task. This mug was designed for a specific task. It was not designed just to sit on a shelf, although some people use them as decorations, but that's not what... It was actually made for. It's designed to hold a liquid, a coffee or a tea or whatever. In verse, or in Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16 that we just read, God designed you uniquely to be used for him. He didn't design you to just sit around and do nothing, but he designed you uniquely. He chose the details of your face, your hair, your eyes, and everything about you. God specifically chose those before you were even born for you. He picked your siblings which sometimes you may think that's a mistake. He, he picked your parents. He even picked what kind of home you would be born into. He picked what country you would be born into. Everything about you, God specifically chose for you. And he doesn't make mistakes. I'll tell you that for sure. That he, God is not like, oops, I made a mistake on that one. Some people may even tell you that you were, should have never been born. And, and it's a horrible thing to tell a child that they're not wanted. But I know some of you have probably been there, and, and I'm sorry. But God does not feel that way. He does not feel like you are a mistake at all. And I know they talked on it last night too, but he even chose your gender. You're like, oh, here we go again. But it is a very controversial topic right now in our world. And you guys face this every single day. And I'm pretty sure that probably even 
Every one of you know someone that struggles with that or you struggle with it yourself, but God specifically chose that. I had a young lady that I was talking to um, probably two years ago now, and she told me, she said, God accidentally put me in the wrong body. I don't know if any of you have heard that before, but she said inside, my science teacher told me that inside I am genetically a boy and that God just made a mistake and put me in a girl body. And that is a lie. That is a lie from Satan. That did not, those thoughts and ideas did not come from God. It was completely opposite. God put her in the exact body that he wanted her to be in, and it caused confusion, and it caused a unrest in her. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. This girl did not have any peace at all. Uh, let's go to Genesis 127. And I know this was read last night, but nobody can say this any better than God himself. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the very beginning of your Bible. The Bible says, so God created man. In his image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. There are how many genders? Two, and that's it. We want to try and fix it all and make everybody happy, but there's only two, according to the Bible. <clears throat> and I'm thankful that I'm a girl. I don't want to do all the hard stuff that the boys have to do. <laughs> I don't want to compete with my husband for anything. And even... You know, God doesn't call women to preach, and I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> so yeah, it would take us, we could do one lesson every, you know, three or four months. But anyways, God doesn't get confused like that. He, he specifically chose you to be what he made you to be. He made you to be a female, and that's what he wants. He has a job for you, and we'll hear more about that in the sermons tonight. Um, but Satan has lied to us, and he causes us to question God. And he causes us to question his word. He's like, well, what about this? Well, what about this? And prime example is Eve in the Garden of Eden. She was standing in this beautiful garden with all this food that she could pick from and eat. But there was one tree. God said, don't eat that one. And then what did Satan do? He curled up next to her and he said, well, did God really say that? In verse, uh, or Genesis 3.1, it says, the Satan said, yay, hath God said? Did he really say that? Because he knew that when he got Eve to question God a little bit, she had nothing solid to stand on. And when God can get, or the Satan can get you to think, well, is God's word really real? Then he's got you because you have nothing solid to stand on. But it, it is true and we can trust it. And God did equip you with everything that you would need to fulfill his purpose, even your gender, as we talked about. How many have you heard the story of Amy Carmichael? Anybody familiar? Oh, good. Okay. Well, I'm going to read a little bit of her testimony because it was what came to my mind when I was studying for this. As a little girl, Amy Carmichael had brown eyes, but she wished for beautiful blue eyes. She even prayed that God would change her eye color and was very disappointed when it didn't happen. At age 20, Amy sensed that the Lord was calling her to serve him as a missionary. After serving in various places, she went to India. It was there that she realized God's wisdom in the way that he had made her. You see, Amy needed the brown eyes to sneak into the Indian pagan temples and to rescue the girls who were being abused. Many believe that she saved hundreds of girls from this abuse in this life. Many believe uh, that it could have even been up into the thousands at that point, too. And this was from 1800s up into the early 1900s. But a white woman would have never been allowed to enter into the temples. And some reports say that Amy rescued over 1,000 children for such a life as we I just said, but Amy would take her, uh, her skin and dye it brown with tea, and then she would dress in the traditional Indian clothing, 
And then she would walk a long way just to get into the temples, just to even save one child, it says. So I think perhaps God was smart enough to know what he was doing when he picked out her eye color before she was even born. <coughs> so God also equipped you. All right, the next letter we come to is U. And on the U, we're going to use usable. Usable. One major difference between my cup and you is that this cup has absolutely no choice. It has no choice what I put into it. If I want to have coffee that day, I can't say, well, I'd rather have tea. So, <laughs> But it's, it has no choice. But God did not create you like that. He created you as a, uh, not a robot. He created you with a free will, and he gave you a choice. And he will not make you be used the way that he wants to use you. He will not force you to love him or to serve him or even walk the path of righteousness. Uh, you're free to do whatever you want. But I do love the old saying that you've probably heard preachers say before. It says, you are free to make your choices, but you are not free from the choices that you make. Every single choice that you make has a consequence, good or bad, and you have to deal with that. Um, so you have be very careful on the choices that you make. So let's think about when you go hiking, right? When you go hiking, you're not going to want to go somewhere with no paths unless you're crazy. But because we walk on a path and it's a place of safety because after... Beyond the path, there's destruction and danger. But on the path, there are times that we will sin and we will get off of our path that God has chosen for us. And God has placed people in your life to direct you and guide you back to the path because they know that that path is a place of safety. And you can't look at discipline or correction like they hate me, they don't love me, they just want me to be miserable. But it's not <clears throat> because they're against you, but it's actually because they're for you and they want you to stay in that place of safety, in that place of righteousness. But when we do get off the path, we must acknowledge how many is easy to say, yes, I was wrong, and I need to get right. It's not. It's hard. It's very hard. It's very hard sometimes for us to even see ourselves as other people may see us, or especially as God sees us. But in order to get back on that path, you have to um, admit that you've done wrong and ask for forgiveness. And sometimes that's hard because you even have to go to people and apologize and say, well, well they were wrong too. Well, it doesn't matter. You have to, in order to get back on the path of where you need to be, you need to be willing to ask for forgiveness and do whatever it takes to get that. Um, but when you get off your path, it doesn't just hurt you. How many people have gotten off their path in, in your own life that have hurt you? And you may have like a stray sibling or something that wants to do their own thing, and it hurts. It's very, very hurtful and harmful, and it affects those around you. Just keep that in mind when you're tempted to go off the path and off what God has chosen for you because there is hurt that comes along with it. And you must understand what you did wrong to get back on the path. <clears throat> so there's also safety in your authority. They have to stand before God and answer for you. So don't get an attitude of, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do whatever I want because they're there for your help, their safety. And they have to answer to God for how they do that. But you have to answer to God for how you respond. And as you get older, the offenses that pull you off that path are going to get bigger and bigger. When you get older and you're getting into your um, upper teen years and getting ready to figure out what you're going to do with your life, it's not a little issue of, oh, I took somebody's toy or I threw a fit. It's bigger things that are hurtful. And so you have to learn to, on your own, have that walk with God where he can show you, oh, you're getting off the path, let's go back. Because there's not always going to be that vocal authority right there. You're not going to have your mom or your dad right there over you all the time saying, you know, you're getting off the path, get back on the path. So <clears throat> make sure you start your relationship with God young so you can hear his voice. 
Uh, God does want you to stay on the path and do right and stay usable. Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the just is a shining light. It shineth more and more into the perfect day. God wants to use your stories and your paths and your journey as a testimony for all those that are around you. And God does desire to use you, but the word just in those verses, or in that verse, does not mean perfect. You're never, ever, ever going to be perfect. Nobody is perfect. On the side of heaven, none of us are perfect. Some of us are perfectionists by nature. Does it drive you crazy when you can't get something right? And you want to just, it's frustrating. Or you look at others and you want to please those around you, but then you forget about God. And so keep your priorities straight and don't neglect what God thinks of you more than anything. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times, and riseth up again. The reality is that we are all sinners. But the only difference there is that the just man gets back up. He realizes he messed up, he gets back up, and he continues on his path of righteousness. All right, the next letter we come to is R. And for R, this one hit me the very hardest. <clears throat> R is going to stand for real. In order to fulfill your purpose that he created you for, you must be real. You must be honest with yourself and with God. And here's where I'm going to be real with you ladies. <laughs> I grew up in a very, very good Christian home. And as Miss Sarah said, I even grew up with her husband. We were in youth group together. Uh, we had a Christian school. So we were literally at church every single day. It pretty, pretty much felt like that. And a lot of you live that same life. And I had all the scriptures memorized. I had one scripture memorization contest. And it was I could lead someone to the Lord without even hesitating. I knew what verses. I knew the Romans road. But I didn't know Christ as my shepherd. I didn't know him for myself. And I had made a profession of faith when I was small. And just like we heard last night, that it can happen. You can make a profession of faith and it be real and it be right. But I knew that mine wasn't. I knew that I didn't. And the first time that I remember God speaking to my heart about salvation, I was at a conference kind of similar to this. And I was 13 years old. And God made it very clear that I need to get saved. But immediately, Satan started saying, well, what about this? Maybe you're misunderstanding your conviction here. Maybe um, people will be mad at you. Maybe you're going to look like an idiot. Maybe your pastor will be mad at you for lying or your parents for lying. And so I decided in my head, being so smart at 13, <laughs> that I would pray the sinner's prayer in my head. I would read through a track. I already knew the verses. But I'd read through a track, and I'd say the sinner's prayer in my head, but then I wouldn't tell anybody about it because I could keep it quiet. Nobody would know. I'd never have to get baptized, nothing like that. But that just caused way more confusion, and it just stirred that up inside of me even more and more. I was not repenting of my sins. I was not repenting of that pride. I was still trying to do things my way. I was trying to come to God in my way and not coming to him in his way. I was trying to negotiate, if you will. And it sounds so silly, but my pastor's wife always says, she said, sin makes you stupid. And when I look at my testimony, I'm like, I really was stupid. <laughs> but, um, and so I'd constantly tell him no. And salvation is only, only achieved by coming to God on his terms. You cannot make up, okay, well, I'm going to do this and then I'll be saved. That's not how it works, ladies. So I continued to fight with God for my salvation for 15 years after that. That's a long time to fight with God. Let me just tell you that. Even while I came to this college as a student, I knew in my heart that I wasn't saved. I knew that I needed to get saved, but I was not willing to give that up yet. My pride. And I just kept telling him no. But I was terrified inside my heart that the Lord would come back or that I would be left here by myself 
or that I would die and that I would go to hell. I knew, I knew I was heading that direction. Um, but I'm so, so, so very thankful for the grace of God that he didn't allow that. On Sunday morning in October 20, uh, 2010, my husband was preaching from Matthew 7, verse 21. I'm going to actually have you turn there. We'll wake you back up a little bit. So everybody turn to Matthew chapter 7 because this is so, so very good. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, he that, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from ye, ye that work iniquity. That broke me down right there. And I had heard that before many times. And I had served God. I had served him in my power, if you will. I had made good decisions. I had gone to Bible college. I had married a preacher. Uh, I had even led people to Christ. But the theme there was I, I, I. It was all the things that I had done. And it was very clear that none of that was going to matter in eternity. I was going to stand before God on my own without my parents there to tell God that I was saved, without my pastor there to tell God that I was already saved. It's, it sounds so silly when you go over it in your head after that, but I was trying to work my way to heaven without admitting that I was working my way to heaven. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. And I realized that day that I would stand there, and I would have to answer for my sins. And so I continued to fight until the very next day. And on Monday, October 18th, 2010, I quit fighting. And I asked the Lord to forgive me and save my soul. And honestly, I have not struggled with it since. And I know some people doubt, and I get that. But ladies, I was not doubting. I was fighting. I knew for sure that I was lost. And if you don't know you're lost, you can't get saved. But if you know you're lost, do not put it off. It is not worth it. It does not get easier. It does not fix itself. Do not put it off. Make sure you know for sure. So talk to somebody. Talk to your youth leader. Talk to your youth leader's wife. It's the most, most important decision that you're ever going to make. So in order to fulfill God's purpose for you and walk the path of righteousness, you have to be real. So don't play the game. Don't act one way at church or one way with your pastor. Don't look on your phone at stuff that you wouldn't be looking at with your parents watching over your shoulder or your pastor's wife or your youth pastor's wife. But don't live differently in two different ways because that's not being real. And you cannot be used properly until you are real. Okay, the next letter is P for pure. We're going to use pure. Okay, so let's be honest. Nobody is going to want to drink from this cup if I tell you it has mold in the bottom of it or if it has a bunch of dirt in there or if I had coffee in it last week and I never washed it. Even if I put fresh Starbucks in there right now, nobody would want to drink that because it's disgusting. And being a dirty vessel yourself and then asking God to use you is just as disgusting. You cannot fill your mind with all the ungodly things and then pick up your Bible and expect God to speak to your heart and to use your life. If you're watching inappropriate things on your phone and your TV, and it's so, so easy, and Satan can get in there so quickly, be accountable to somebody. Give your parents your phone. Give them all your passwords and say, here, just I want to have accountability. Just check. Just check my phone every night or once a week or whatever. Ask for that. If you really want to walk the paths of righteousness, you've got to have that desire yourself to do right. 
And so are you having a hard time getting anything out of services when you come? And I know last night you all stayed up super late and you're up early. But if your mind is so full of junk and dirt, it's going to take God a long time to chip away at it to be able to speak to your heart. Are you irritated by God's word? Do you think you know better than God? If you do, you're at risk of walking away from him, completely abandoning the path of righteousness. There's a constant battle that's in each and every one of us. And you guys have all heard this in preaching before. It's a battle of the flesh and the spirit. And whichever one you feed the most is going to grow. It's just going to grow so fast, too. And it's, it's sometimes so subtle that you don't notice it, but then it's like, oh, that was really hard. But that's your flesh. Have you guys ever seen the silly illustration where you have, like, the demon on one side and the angel on the other, and the demon's telling the person, do whatever you want. This is your life. Do live it however you want. And the angel's like, no, you need to do right. And it is silly. But Paul talked about something similar like that in Romans. And this sounds very confusing verse. But in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, it says, For that which I do, I allow not. For that what I, that what I would, that do I. That do I not. But what I hate, that do I. So, and he keeps going on and on about stuff. But he's talking about the flesh. He's like, this is not what I want to do. But my flesh does it anyways because it's easier. Sometimes sin is easy, ladies. And sometimes sin feels good. Sometimes sin is a lot you know, more relaxing and fun for a season. It only lasts for a season and your flesh is weak and you can't keep your vessel pure without God's help and without filling yourself with his word. All right, the next letter is O. <clears throat> and we're going to go with open for what God has. Open for what God has. In a little bit we talked about this, but this mug does not get to say what I do with it. I am the owner. I am the whatever of it and it doesn't get to tell me what it wants to do which we mentioned a little bit earlier but in the same way you do not get to tell God what your purpose should be you do not get to say oh well I don't want to be a missionary or I don't want to be a pastor's wife or I don't want to go to Bible college or I don't want to be a doctor or I don't want to be you fill in the blanks whatever God has for you and you don't get to choose that you don't get to tell him and how prideful are we that sometimes we want to tell God how to operate and that's not how it works you have no right to tell how to God, tell God how to run anything in your life. And a lot of times, his purposes do not make sense. It does not make sense that Brother Seth said, hey, you don't normally speak to people. Why don't you come speak to all these beautiful young ladies? <laughs> but it, it doesn't make sense, and sometimes it is hard. But there are so many in here that have experienced very hard things in their life. So many older women even in here that have gone through struggles, gone through rough paths paths or patches in their path that have the joy of the Lord. It doesn't make sense, but God doesn't do things to hurt us. And some of you have even been hurt physically, emotionally, you've been abused, and, and it should never happen. It really shouldn't. And it's definitely hard to understand the goodness of God when we look at all those things, but I can promise by the authority of God's word that God is still good and that God is only good and his way is good. And there are points in life sometimes that we feel very dark and where we question the sovereignty of God. We think, does he even know where I'm at? Does, this, does he even know what I'm going through? But he does, and does he hear me? And he absolutely does, and he tells us that over and over in his word, that he hears us. But we must be anchored in those times. You must be in God's word. You must be close to the shepherd at those times. And we can't let our circumstances toss us about and make us make decisions just because of our circumstances. And God is not out to destroy you. Not at all. He loves you. 
And he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, they're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God promises right there that, that he loves you and that he isn't trying to hurt you. God knows exactly where you are, and God is never, ever out of control. Even our world is so crazy, but God is not out of control. He sees the wrong that has been done to you, and he loves you and wants you to move forward on your path, even regardless of all of that. And you can get victory over the past, but the temptation is going to be there to question God and the faulty decisions that we uh, handle life with. And we can look at all those things and we think, well, is God even real? So I'll just take it on my own hands and I'll just do what I want to do anyways. But you can't. It's, you're going to end in destruction if you do that. God has given us a legacy of many faithful men and women who can draw strength from their lives as proclaim that he is worthy. The great men and women of faith in Hebrew, uh, you know, the great faith chapter in Hebrews, they were not superhumans, and they did serve the exact same God that we serve. And sometimes we are going through dark seasons that it seems like only seasons that the only thing that gets us through it is the hope at the light of the end of the tunnel. But there are some paths that God chooses for us that there are no light at the end of the tunnel. It's things that we're going to have to deal with until the day that Jesus comes. And Paul had one of these such things in his life, and he called it a thorn in the flesh. And everybody's thorn is going to be different, but some thorns don't leave. They have to stay there, but God wouldn't take it away. Paul asked him to take it away, but he wouldn't. But he did give him a promise. He said that my grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul had to walk his path with his affliction, and some of you have afflictions that aren't going away. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a physical limitation. Uh, maybe it's a handicap, whatever, but God knows that. He knows exactly where you're at, and he said that I will walk with you as your shepherd. Um, but joy, or Paul still had joy in his situation. So it might be tempting after you've suffered to think that God doesn't know, and you can decide on your own what's best for your life, but that end of that way is death. So you must choose to trust God and to fight him for your battles. Okay, the next letter is S. We're getting closer. The S is for submitted, and it's kind of the same thing as being open to what God has for you. But we cannot follow Christ in the way we should until we are willing to do his way instead of our own. We often want to put guidelines for what God tells us that we're going to do or our purposes. We want to say, well, like I said earlier, well, I'll do that, but not that. And it's easy to follow God when everything's easy, when it makes sense. But faith, true faith is following God whenever it doesn't make sense. So maybe God's saying, hey, I, need, I want you to go to Bible college. And you say, but I have absolutely no money. So it makes no sense. But taking that next step of faith and going with those, the shepherd, you get to see some really amazing things happen in your life. Joseph was also a good example of that. Everybody know the story of Joseph? His father loved him more than his brothers. His brothers got jealous. They sold him into slavery. <clears throat> and again, he was just trying to do what's right. And then he got falsely accused by his boss's wife. And then he got thrown into prison. And even there, he lived with character. And then he got promoted and... He got released and put in a position of power and authority. And then he ended up saving his brothers, which is kind of funny. I love how God works sometimes. And I'm sure there are times, though, when Joseph couldn't understand what God was doing. He didn't know what the end was. We get to see the end of these pictures, but he didn't know. He just had to trust him and do what was right. And then I think of Esther. Uh, we went and saw a play about Esther this year, and it was so neat to see uh, in person how God can just have a purpose for somebody's life. And she lost her parents when she was young. She was raised by her uncle. And then she had to go into this beauty contest to be a queen that she didn't even want to be in. 
Um, but God had a purpose in each one of those things for her, and she just had to follow as he led. And it's really neat at the end of the story, so if you haven't read that, go read it. Then I also thought about Moses' parents. Um, imagine being in slavery and then knowing that if you had a baby boy, you had to kill him. And then God gave them a baby boy. I can't even imagine how scared that they must have been because they were just humans like us. And they didn't know the end of the story like we do. But God ended up using their baby. And he had, they had no idea when they put him in that basket in the water with crocodiles that God was going to save his life and use him to deliver the people from bondage. So you have no idea what God has planned for you. And it's beyond your wildest dreams. It really is. And sometimes it seems like your path stops. And then you just have to wait for directions. Does anybody like to just wait and just do nothing and sit and wait? I hate that. And that's hard. It's very, very hard. But there are times that we have to just stand still and wait and trust God to show us what the next thing is. And there are seasons of waiting that are just seem like they take forever. But God has a reason. And we can grow in those seasons. God works just as much in the waiting seasons as he does in the walking seasons. He has a purpose for that. God's purpose is always to glorify his name, even in the waiting seasons. Another book that I looked at is called A Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23. It says, if one really believes the affairs of his life or in God's every event or in God's hands every event no matter either joyous or tragic it will be taken as part of God's plan to know beyond a doubt that he does all for our welfare and to be led in the wide area of peace and quietness and strength for every situation so we have to come to that place in our journey where we believe that God is sovereign and you have to believe that on your own you can get told that over and over but you have to believe that God is sovereign and you want his will for your life so you can uh, Display the beauty and the truth of God in, in your life, not of him, not of you, but of God. And our lives need to proclaim that he is worthy. Okay, E. Let's go to E now. You're like, woohoo, we're at the last one. All right, E is for empty. Empty. And it's obvious that no vessel can be filled with something new unless it's empty. <clears throat> I have a six-year-old little boy, and he loves sweets. He loves honey buns. He loves candy. He loves sweets. And if he fills himself up on that, obviously he's not going to be hungry for healthy snacks. And the healthy snacks don't even taste any as good as the unhealthy snacks. I mean, he loves to eat a carrot or a candy bar. Which would you pick? <laughs> you know, obviously, the candy bars kind of taste a lot better. And if you get an appetite for the things of this world, and you have yourself so full of things of this world, sometimes the things of God don't seem quite as appetizing at first. But if you clean yourself out and restore that, and God is a God of restoration, and clean yourself out and get empty for him. And if my son only lived on sweets all the time and no healthy food, he would be very weak and sick and he wouldn't grow. But the same principle comes to for us when we apply God's word to our hearts. And if we're so full of the noise of this world that we can't hear God, then one of my favorite things about our summer camp is that we have no cell phone reception up in the mountain that we go at. And it's so much easier to focus on what God's speaking to our hearts about when we don't have all the noise and we're not distracted with stuff. And sometimes we do recognize the shepherd's voice in salvation and becomes our shepherd. But then it's hard to hear him in the daily walk sometimes. And if our hearts are encumbered about with distractions and the pursuit of lesser things, then we may not hear the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd may be calling, he may be leading, he may be trying to show you what to do, but you can't hear him because you're so full of everything else. Hearing the voice, hearing the guidance of the shepherd because his ways are always best 
and his purpose for our lives is the one thing that he will fulfill us with. Um, so make it a point every single day to just put everything aside, turn your phone on silent, and just open your Bible. Just do a small chapter. Just do a few verses if you're not used to reading it. Um, and just make yourself do it because I'm telling you, ladies, it will change your life. So fulfilling God's purpose for your life and walking in the path of righteousness is not just a one-time choice. You may say, oh, okay, that's great, Miss Crystal. I don't want destruction. I want peace and joy. But it's more than that. It's every single day. It's seeking him to and submitting to him. One of my favorite passages of scripture. Let's look there real fast just to wake you up one more time. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6. And I know it's very familiar, but it's a very good, if you don't have it memorized, highlight it, write it down, memorize it. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lay not to thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God gives us promises throughout his word that if we, if we do trust him, if we do look and seek his face, that he shall direct our paths. He's not going to lead you to a path and then say, here you go, good luck. He's going to walk with you. Uh, he's not going to bring you to this world and then just say, okay, here, figure it all out yourself. He wants to guide you. He wants to give us the tools that we need to fulfill his purpose for our lives. And sometimes the paths aren't going to be easy. They're going to be bumpy. They're going to be rough. But he's right there with you. And he's already walked ahead of you. He knows what's coming up. He knows how to prepare you for what's coming up. It's going to be difficult sometimes. Um, but they can be joyful. You can walk this life with joy. And uh, just keep in mind that you are valuable to him. And he loves you. He created you. No matter what anybody else says, no matter if you feel loved or valued by anybody else in this whole world, that just remember that God does love you when you are valued. So also find encouragement from the Christians that have walked the path of righteousness before you. Talk to some of these older ladies in the faith and ask them, say, do you regret walking that path of righteousness? Do you regret serving the Lord with your life? Do you feel like it was a waste of your a life to walk with him? And they'll tell you that it's not, obviously. <clears throat> The path that God has for you will have many twists and turns, but let him lead. Don't try to tell him how to lead. Let him lead. So whatever the path of life takes you on, keep your heart aligned with his voice. Listen for his voice. Hear his voice. If you are not on the path, then repent. Get back on. Always walk forward. And when you walk forward and the path that you walk on is where you're supposed to be, you will bring glory to him. And your life will be beautiful and you will be glorifying to him. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much that you are our shepherd. Lord, I thank you that you are a personal God. I thank you that you don't just put us here and just leave us to figure it out. Lord, but you guide us with your word. You guide us with um, <clears throat> scriptures. And, and Lord, you just speak to our hearts through these verses. And Lord, I pray for each one of these ladies. I pray that they would remember that they are specifically made for your glory and only for your glory. And Lord, I pray that you would give them that desire to just shine as lights for you. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, we're dismissed a few minutes early, so.